So about a month ago, I was in Orlando, and I was at Disney Springs, and I experienced one of the greatest things that any human being can ever experience in their life. So I was at this thing called The Void, and what The Void was is like a virtual reality ex video game experience like nothing you will ever experience in your entire life. I'm telling you, it was the craziest coolest thing I've ever done, and I can't really explain it to do it justice, so I want you guys to see like a real quick video real quick to just show you guys how amazing this thing was. Yo, I am telling you guys, I literally felt like I was in a Star Wars movie. If anyone's ever wanted to be in a Star Wars movie, it's the best 40 bucks you can ever spend. Man, I was in this world, and I was, yo, I'm telling you, I was freaking out. Like, I put on the mask, and I became a stormtrooper, and I was like, oh my gosh. I, I just snapped, and I was like, this is it. This is my break. I'm going to save. I'm going to go into Vader. Like, I'm telling you, guys, it was one of the craziest experiences ever, and, and if you saw the video, there was like this blue clone trooper, and he was kind of helping us, and we could trust him. If every time we got lost, or we just were freaking out and didn't know what to do, we could trust that blue clone trooper, because he was going to help us out. And boy, let me tell you, I ran to that thing. It was, I peed in my pants a little bit, not going to lie. This thing was so cool. And the reason why I bring this up to you guys tonight is because just like there was a fixed game, a fixed thing in the game that I could trust, in life, in the, how the universe works, there's pretty much two fixed realities about the universe and about how the world works. And I believe if we understand these two things, we can navigate any season of our lives. And the first fixed reality is this, that there's a tendency in us to walk away from the leadership of God, to run after other things, to just adrift and chase after whatever we desire. And the crazy thing is we were made to know him, enjoy him, love what he's created, love God and love other people. But for some reason, we go to other things thinking that we'll experience life, but we run away from the author of life. Now, back to my VR experience. So I was a assigned the team leader. So there was a group of four of us, and I was assigned the team leader. My job was just simple, just to go through any doorway before anyone else did, to scope it out. And let me tell you, it was so scary, because I would see like a bunch of stormtroopers, and be like, oh, frick, I gotta go. And it was, it was crazy. And then there was this other couple, a married couple, and my friends going along. And the married couple 
this woman, uh, let's just say Karen, uh, she was... um, she was a boomer, and she was really annoying. And so her job was to f- just figure out a puzzle. So in the middle of this game, we just went to, like, a dead end. And her job was to solve the puzzle, and it was a really easy puzzle. It was just like when the lights went up, just hit it. It was so simple. But we- she needed to solve the puzzle so we can escape away from the stormtroopers. So now in this situation, I'm telling her, hey, it's your job. You got to shine, girl. Do it. And so she's, she's about to do it. Her husband, my friend, are shooting stormtroopers, man, protecting us from her doing this thing. And so she's doing it, and she starts freaking out. And, and she's like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I'm like, girl, yo, your husband out there shooting stormtroopers for you. Hey, you need to solve this puzzle. It's really easy. Just do it. What are you freaking out? And she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And so she just books it. And she freaks out, and she just runs away. And I'm like, yo, Karen, like, what are you doing, girl? Like, what? And it didn't make any sense at all. And that's the same for us, too. That we just kind of, when life gets crazy, when we kind of want to do what we want to do, and when life gets really hard, we just run away from the things of God. We just go, and we just do what we want to do. So that's the first reality, that there's a tendency in us. Our hearts are prone to wander and go astray. Now, back to the story if you guys saw, K- uh, K2SO, the robot from Rogue One, was kind of guiding us also. And he was there, and he kind of looked at the woman and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, where are you going? And he kind of came into the game and kind of stopped, like, uh, like kind of stopped everything that was going on, kind of opened the door for us so that we can escape and go on our merry way. And that's the second reality, is that there's a tendency in God to come in, chase after us, and to stop us from doing self-destructing things in our lives. First one's sin, second one's grace. And when we understand these two realities, we can navigate whatever season of life that we're in. And some of us are in a season of life that we love God, and we're really trying to get this thing right. But a lot of you guys, relationship with him is kind of like a roller coaster. You're hot one minute, cold the next. And you just, you don't understand why. You don't understand why you keep struggling with the same sin. And you want to really conquer this thing. And you really want to get rid of this thing. A lot of you guys came home from Tusk thinking that you were cured. That this was different. That the moment was set. Like, I'm not screwing up anymore. But yet, you just went into the same pattern the next day. And it's the cycle. You're good on a Friday. But the next morning, you're back struggling with the same sin. Some of you guys are in this room, kind of don't care about God, don't kind of care about Christianity, but you're not like totally against it, but you're just kind of going through the motions, and you're kind of not running away from God, but you're kind of slowly drifting. You know of God, but you don't know God, and that's a difference. And so you kind of know it, you kind of go up, because you grow up in a Christian household, you go to SCS, you kind of go through the motions, but you don't have a real experience with your Savior. And so you're just slowly walking away. A lot of you guys are running in the complete opposite direction of God. That you don't care what Jesus has to say about your life. You don't care what Jesus has to say about things in general. You just are going the opposite direction. And you don't care. And you don't care what anyone says. You don't care about what your parents think or what we think as green room leaders. You're just running. And you know it. And you're having fun. 
So we're all in different seasons of life. But I'm telling you, when you understand these two realities, sin and grace, it'll help navigate whatever situation, whatever season you are in. And the book of Jonah will help us. I love this book. And for the next two weeks, me and Joe are going to just tackle this book together. And this is one of my favorite Old Testament books because it's not the Jonah, it's not the story that I remember growing up. A lot of you guys kind of know Jonah, and you picture Jonah, and the first thing that comes to mind is a big fish and a big whale, right? But I'm telling you, when you understand this book, it's like a totally different story. A lot of you guys think, oh, Jonah and the fish, this is what happens, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Honestly, when you actually read the book, there's only two verses about a fish. So this, this has nothing to do with a fish. This has so much potential, whatever season of your life, to influence your life. And so I kind of want us as a, green, as a youth group tonight to kind of just delete everything, select all, delete everything you know about this book because I want to start from scratch. Is that cool? So everyone just right now in your brain, select all, delete all the things that you know about Jonah. It might be a little, might be a lot. I don't care. Just delete it all because we're going to restart. And we're going to learn about this book because this will help us here today. So Jonah was a prophet and if you don't know what a prophet is, it's someone that was close with Jesus, and he kind of spoke about what was going on, what God was up to in that day. But this dude was a horrible dude, like an awful human being. And we're going to learn a lot in the next two weeks about this dude. So guys, ready to dive into Jonah here, first verse, chapter one, let's get to it. So this is what it says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. He says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Let's stop. So God calls Jonah to Nineveh. And maybe you don't know what Nineveh is. Well, I'm about to tell you. Nineveh was a crazy city. These people, man, they make Darth Vader and the Empire look like chumps, man, because these were wicked human beings. And God told Jonah to go to this nation, go to the enemy territory. Israel and Assyrians, they hated each other. And so God tells Jonah to go in and say, hey, you guys suck. Look, if I, I'm be honest with Jonah. Like, I really, like, that's crazy. Like, if I was Jonah, I'd be like, God, what do you want me to do with this? Like, I, I don't want to go there. And it's crazy because this is the deal. A lot of you think that following Jesus is boring, but it's, if you're following Jesus and you think it's boring, you're doing it wrong because God loves adventure. And God's, the whole point of this is supposed to be crazy because following Jesus is crazy. I've never regretted following Jesus because it's always an adventure. And that's the whole point. And also, God's writing a bigger story than we can even see. And God is offering Jonah to take part in what he's doing, redeeming this group of evil people. And he's like, hey, Jonah, come on in. Let's do this. I'm about to change the world. Come. Let's do this. Well, let's see how Jonah responds. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found the ship leaving for Tarshish. He brought a ticket and went on the board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, everything we know about this book is written for a specific reason. And in this book, and you're like, okay, what's Tarshish? I don't know what that is, and this, uh, this doesn't make sense. Tarshish was like literally the farthest known city of that time period. And what Jonah does is he's like, all right, God, 
you want me to go there? I'm going to go east. I'm going to go, I mean, I'm going west. I'm going as far away as possible. I put a map of orange. I want you guys to see this map. It's literally the farthest place that you can go in that time. And Jonah's like, I got, I'm out. And he just goes. And this isn't like one of those Home Alone 2, Kevin McAllister just ends up in New York City type of stories. No, Jonah is purposely going the opposite direction. He's not like, Oh, I oh I was supposed to go in the LIE and south. No, no, no. Like he is purposely going the opposite direction. He hears from God, he's going the opposite direction. I love this book because God calls him. He said, like, get up and go. But Jonah gets up and goes the opposite direction from the Lord. Here's the deal. We all do this. Every single one of us here in this room. We all do this. We all go the opposite direction. And why? Because humanity's always done it, and humanity's always done it from the start. In the beginning, God created the world. Everything was good. Everything was perfect. Creates man and woman, and gives them two commands. Eat and multiply. Let me translate that. Have sex. That's what God says. In the beginning of the world, he created the world. He gives two commands. Eat and multiply. Two, of faith, two things that humanity's always loved to done. God says, hey, do that. Have fun. Enjoy me. Enjoy creation. And love me. But God creates a tree called knowledge of good and evil. And you guys are all SES, you know, superstars. You kind of know what happens. Eve takes the, Eve tastes the fruit and disobeys. And it's not, though, that, like, she wanted to experience evil because she's like, oh, I want to experience evil. No, she wanted to do it because she wanted to play God. She's like, God, you can control everything but me, and I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to run. I'm going to go the opposite direction. Yeah, it's funny. I know. And then what happens is by Genesis 5, we see violence. We see use of women for sexual exploitation, and it's just a whole mess because that's what happens when we run away from God, when we disobey. And humanity's always done this from the start, and we do it too. And a lot of us think that we're all superstars up here in the Bible. Like you can't relate to us because everyone in the Bible is so holy. No, not everyone's good in the Bible. For example, Jonah. He runs. He disobeys God. He gets on a boat to Joppa, heads to Tarshish, doing the opposite of what God calls him to do. You know the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote majority of the New Testament? You know how he ran? He's writing in a lot of his books, and he's saying, uh, I'm good with this law, I'm good with this law, but ooh, when it comes to coveting, yeah, that's where I screw up. And do you guys know what coveting is? It's seeing somebody have what you want, and not just like wanting that, but resenting them for having it. We all struggle with that. That's why we can't celebrate somebody when they make the baseball team and you don't. Or they do this, or they have a really nice outfit, and you don't feel so good about yourself, and you want to rip them apart. Like, this is, we struggle with this. We don't tell anybody this, but this is what we feel, because we're messed up, and we run. Elisha, oh, like a really important Old Testament prophet, you know what he, how he ran? He had a mouth problem. And when he met God, he was like, whoa, I have a mouth problem. I curse, I, I complain, I, uh. That ruins the culture. I, um, I talk bad about people. I have a mouth problem. One of the greatest theologians ever, Augustine, you know what he had? He had a sex problem. He had a lust problem. 
And he was, when he got real with himself, he was like, oh, I'm addicted to this thing. You all do it. How do you do it? Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? You're angry about stuff that's going on at home, and you kind of hold that in. And it's not your fault that's all hell is breaking loose at home, but you kind of hold on to bitterness, thinking that makes you strong. Are you struggle with, do you struggle with insecurity tonight? Having this victim status that you just self-loathe and, and all you want all the attention to be on yourself here tonight. Look, we're all messed up. We all run. And the best self-knowledge you can have is knowing how you run. That's the best self-knowledge that you ever have is how do you run away from God? How do you resist the leadership of God? And some of you guys, you guys struggle with lust, struggle with complaining, struggle with your mouth. But here's the deal. There will always be a boat to heading to Tarshish. There will always be a boat. If you want to have an unbounded sexuality, there will always be a site you could click on. There will always be something, somebody to make, up with, make out with. <laughs> there will always be. If you want to complain, that's how you run. There will always be something to complain about. If you want to be bitter, there will always be something to be bitter about. There will always be a boat. So for those that are struggling here tonight, how do you not get on the boat? What do you have to do tonight? So that you don't get on the boat and head, to, head away from God. Simple. Some things are simple. Some things are more complex. If you struggle with lust and you have Safari on your phone and you don't have any blockers and you struggle with pornography and you don't have any filter, you're, you're, there's a lot of boats heading to places you don't want to go. If you struggle with complaining, like, hey, when you start to talk, Kind of catch your thoughts and like, wait, what am I saying? Is this bringing life or is this bringing death? Capture those thoughts. Do you struggle with your mouth in general? And my question for you is, are, are you okay? Are you hurting inside? Because I know that whatever's in the heart comes out in the mouth. So is that the boats that you take to run away from the Lord? Like, these are the things that you have to talk about. And, and, and you have to talk about it with people, and you have to talk about it with leaders, and you have to get alone and, and have a battle game plan and figure this out. It's like, okay, because if you are struggling here tonight, and you keep struggling with the same sin, you have to have a game plan so that you don't get on a boat. You don't end up like Jonah, heading away from God. So we all struggle. We all run away. What does God do with a bunch of people like us? <laughs> we all do it. We all mess up. We all run. So how does, what does God do with us? Second reality. He comes and chases us. He comes to get us. When we run, he chases. Now you might ask, how? How does he come get us? Well, let's keep reading the story. It says this. It goes on to say this. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Sometimes in mercy, in God's love, God sends a storm. Not to hurt you, but to help you. I remember one time I was at my friend's house. He had a door outside to his room, and he left it open because we were really hot. And um, 
He didn't have AC, I guess. It was in the summer. And, um, so we're just, you know, playing video games, whatever. And a bird comes in the house. And we start freaking out. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm never coming to this dude's house again. This is crazy. And so I'm, like, freaking out. And so I, you know, but I took it on myself to be the hero. So I go after the bird with my bare hands, and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to grab this and chuck it out the door. And so I go in, and then the bird's like, God, 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 and starts biting me and starts going crazy. Now the bird's out of its mind, and the bird's so stupid that he can't see the big door right there, and he's just flying around trying to get out of this room, and I'm trying to get it with my bare hands. It's not working out. My friend is a lot smarter than me, and he takes a box, and he takes his box, and he covers the bird. He ends up, like, covering it. And um, now the bird's really mad. <laughs> bird's freaking out. He's like, I'm dark. I don't know where I am. I want to get out of this house. Now I'm, it's pitch black. Get me out of here. And so what he does is he drags the box. The bird's freaking out. And then right at the door, opens the box. Bird flies. And it's free. Why tell that story? It's because sometimes God has to bring you into a dark place to send you out so that you can be free. So God in his mercy and his love sends a storm, not to hurt you, but to help you. God works in storms more than we realize. You don't, you don't think you need God until you need God. I know I have a friend at the job that I work at right now, and I've, I had like one a really long conversation about Jesus and about faith, and he, at the end of it, he's kind of like, this makes sense, but I just feel like I don't need God. And then recently, a bunch of storms happened in his life, and he's like, yeah, tell me about that God you were talking about, because he needed God. And storms do a lot more damage. And you might say, what type of storms that God might bring? I can think of two that will bring in your life. The first one is, doesn't bring you what you want, doesn't give you what you want. So you might be dying for a relationship. You might be dying for some status. You might be dying for something in your life, and God's not going to give what you want. And that's a storm. I think the second storm, though, is a lot worse than the first one. The second storm is he gives you what you want. He allows you to get on a boat, head to Tarshish, let you live there, become the mayor, <laughs> live there, and enjoy what you want to do. And you're just going to end up miserable, and you're going to end up like everybody else that heads that direction, alone and broken, and needing help. And I think, personally, that's the worst storm of them all. So God's going to send you a storm. He did it to the chain smokers. <laughs> the chain smokers um, are personally, one of my, honestly, and this might be a, really embarrassing to admit, but chain smokers, man, they're... Like, I like them. Like, I do. I love them in the 2016, 2017. They inspired me a lot, especially when it came to vanity. Like, they inspired me a lot. And they came out with songs like Roses, Don't Let Me Down, like, bops, like, bangers. Like, I love them. And then, you know, they were climbing the ladder of success, man. They were having all this money. They were having all these, throwing all these parties. They got, they can have any girl they ever wanted and any dream of. They were the chain smokers, the top DJs of the world. And then, like, in 2018, they came out with a song that everybody hates me. And it's a really depressing song. And when you read some of the lyrics, some of the lyrics says this. And I post a picture of myself because I'm lonely. Everyone knows what I look like. Not everyone, not no one knows me. I walk into the club like everybody hates me. A depressing song. 
Because you know why they went with what they wanted to do. They got in a boat and headed the opposite direction. And they felt miserable. And is that you tonight heading the opposite direction? So as Jonah runs, God brings a storm. And verse 5 says this, Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo over the board to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. Do you see how stupid this is for a second? Like, storm going nuts. People are freaking out. The passengers on the boat, they're like, all right, we just got to, you know, Hail Mary this crap. Like, we're gone. Like, we got to figure this out. And Jonah goes to sleep. This is like, is Jonah stupid? But I want you to see something. And this is why I love this book so much. The author's trying to say this. And then if you read through all the verses, it says this, that he, Jonah went down to Joppa, down to a boat, down to Tarshish, and down to sleep. When you, when you run away from God, when you walk away, when you get on a boat, your life goes down. It doesn't go up. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care how you're running. Your life will always go down. It won't go up when you run away from God. So, if you're running from God tonight, can I give you three things that you have to do? If you're kind of just like giving up, you know you're running here, you know you're doing wrong, you don't, but you don't know what to do, can I give you three things before we wrap up here tonight? Let's continue reading. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? (laughs) He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. The first thing is call on God. Man, whatever you're doing, I don't care what's going on in your life, just call to God. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you did this morning. It doesn't matter what you have planned on doing tomorrow or the next day. Like, wherever you are, just call on God. And it took a pagan sailor, someone who doesn't know God, to get Jonah to realize, hey, call upon your God. So if you're running tonight, man, first thing I say is call on your God. And while all this has happened, the sailors are trying to figure out whose fault this is. So it goes on to say that the crew members cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord God, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The second thing to do tonight is admit who you are. I love how Jonah just gets honest. He's not like, he's not doing the blaming game. He's not like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know why you guys are accusing me. No, he says this. He says, I'm a Hebrew. And I love that terminology because what that means is he's just referring back to his identity, that he's a rescued one. That I serve the God who made the sea and the land, and I'm his. And he rescued me. And so some of you guys have to really start by admitting how you're running, by admit the bad things in your life. And a lot of people don't do this. A lot of people don't admit the full picture. They kind of just like, yeah, I struggle with, um, I struggle with lust. Or I struggle with pride. Or I should, no, you have to be really honest. 
I'll be honest with you. The reason why I've overcome my porn struggle is not because I was like, eh, this is what I'm doing. I kind of am doing this. No, I got honest. And I got vulnerable. And I admit, I just said everything. And I got with people. I just like, here is my baggage. Here is everything that I'm doing. You got to start by admitting who you are. So those who are struggling here tonight know that you are his, man. If you love Jesus and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that's not going to change. doesn't matter if you run away. doesn't matter if you get on a boat. doesn't matter if you keep struggling with the same thing over and over again and it's a cycle. You're his. That's your identity. That's not going to change. For those of you that don't know him, man, admit that you aren't close to him. Like, if you know you're running away from God, man, just admit it. Like, hey, God, like, I don't do this a lot. I, I don't know you but I want to know you. I want to feel belonged. I want to feel accepted. Just admit that. Admit what you're doing. And so as the storm was going, the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. And they said, oh, why did you do this? They groaned. I love the pagan sailors, man. They realize the complete obvious thing that's going on in the situation. They're like this. Wait, help me understand something real quick. You're running away from the God who made the sea on a boat? Like, what is, what is your thought process? Like, how stupid are you? Like, why are you running away from a God who made everything and could see everything and knows everything? That just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense when we do it. It doesn't make sense when we try to go and find life in other things, in other people. We do the same thing. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Jonah says, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm was my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the storm sea was violent, too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and do not hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And then the sailors just picked him up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Third thing you have to do here tonight is just surrender. Surrender your sin. Surrender the fact that you're running away from Jesus. Just stop. Surrender. I love how... Jonah does it. And a lot of scholars think that Jonah was being a cry-cry, being a baby, kind of just like committing suicide. I don't think so. I think Jonah was just being real and honest, and he's saying, hey, I serve the God who made that sea. Throw me to him. It's an act of surrender. It's an act of surrender. He's like, I don't know how I'm going to be okay from all this. I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to go in the, into the sea. I'm going to trust that my God's going to get me through this. I don't, I don't know how this is going to all work out, but if he sent the storm to get my attention, I have to go into a little bit of darkness to get back to light. I'm going to do it because I'm his. So just surrender. And then the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish 
with three days and three nights. The band could come up at this time. And uh, the fish wasn't a punishment. The fish was a rescue mission. And people often ask, like, Y'all, how, you know, how can this happen? Like, earthly standards, like, how can a man fit in a great fish? And, like, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense. And there's been, like, people have tried to prove this historically. There's been accounts where people have been in the fish for a couple days and survived. And people have tried to figure this out. But I really think, if you think that this, that's the point of the story, you've totally missed the point of Jonah. Like, you're not even close. Like the point of having a big fish to carry Jonah, to rescue Jonah is crazy because that's the point. It's supposed to be crazy. It's crazy that God would come in and rescue a bunch of people that doesn't love him, that doesn't care about anything he has to say. And it's crazy. And that's the point. The point is that, man, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter what you did last night. Man, God's coming and God wants to rescue you. And God's going to come after you. And he's going to save a, get a fish to come save you. He's going to do whatever it takes to come and get you. Because he's crazy about you. And because he loves you. And it doesn't matter how many times you promise God, Hey, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to never do this sin again. And you keep on doing it. It doesn't matter. God's still going to be there for you and still going to chase after you. It doesn't matter how many times you reject God. He's still going to be there. Arms open wide. Because he's crazy about you because he loves you. So the point I'm getting at, guys, and the bottom line is that God's grace chases us in our running. It says in Psalms that his goodness and mercy will follow us, and that word follow means to chase. He's going to chase after us. But here's the sad truth tonight, guys. And some of you guys need to hear this. That yeah, God's going to pursue you, but God's not going to force his way into your heart. In Romans, it says God allows people to do what they want to do. It makes our heart even harder towards him. And that's the truth here tonight. That you could just, you know, he's not going to come in and, and just pick you up. Like, you got to allow him to. And some of you guys aren't allowing him to. You know, just keep doing what you want to do. And God loves you so much that he'll allow you to gun on the boat and go the good news is that our God's a provider and he provided a way out and he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and you see what the end of the verse said that Jonah stayed in the fish for three days and three nights does that ring a bell? that's Jesus, right? and often Jesus told this story and just like Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish Jesus spent three days and three nights in the pit of hell he chased after you. And some of you guys tonight, if you're honest with yourself, you don't feel like God's chasing you and feel like God's pursuing you. I know for certain that he has because he sent Jesus on a cross to pay for all that running, to pay for all that sin, to pay for all that shame and guilt that you still struggle with. And he got on a cross and he rose back from the dead to give you life so that you don't have to be separated from him for eternity. love the reason for this book the reason for this book and the reason why the author wrote this book is it's not supposed to be necessarily telling the life of Jonah it's supposed to be a mirror 
It's supposed to show that Jonah is us and that rerun. But God, Jesus, and it doesn't matter what you've done, that God loves you. And that's grace. So those who are struggling with their sin, I'm going to end up real quick. Man, how, how can you set yourself up so you don't have to get on a boat? What do you have to do tonight so that you don't get, end up getting on a boat? Because you know you don't want to, but like I said, our hearts are prone to wander. So how do you make sure you don't go even to the town of Joppa, to the port, so you can get on a boat and get away from God? For those of you that are running the complete opposite direction, know that Jesus is calling your name right now, that he is sending a storm right now, and it could be a bad one, it could be a, something so crazy, but it's getting to you, it's getting you to get on your knees and humbling yourself to see that you need God, and he's chasing after you because he loves you. We run, God chases. Let's pray. amazing love that would love runaways that would love people who keep dropping the ball thank you God that you come after us when we don't want you when we rather do our own thing when we buy culture's lies when we buy what this world is selling us Jesus you still come and get us God thank you for this grace and I pray for person in this room, the people in this room that are struggling, that are keep finding the same sin over and over again, that just wander off, get on a boat, and run, swim the opposite direction from you. God, I pray right now that you would just first remind them of who they are, that they're your child, and that you love them, and that you're crazy about them, and that you've planted their, your Holy Spirit in them so that they don't have to struggle, that they can trust you, that they can abide in you, so that they don't have to get on a boat screw up. And God, I pray for the person that's running away, for the people that are running away. Deep down inside, they know that they don't want anything to do with you. And for whatever reason, why they're running, if they're broken inside, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would right now just show them your love, show them that you are for them, show them that, God, you're bringing these, that they're here right now because you want them to be here, and that you are calling them by name and that you see the brokenness in them, that you see the all of it. That you still love them. If you're running away, I said to do three things tonight. Just call on God. Admit who you are and surrender to Him. And if you never started a conversation with God, you could start by saying something like this, Jesus, I'm sorry for running. I'm sorry for doing things my way. God, I believe your word is true, and I believe you sent Jesus to come get me. And you paid for all my sin on the cross, and I can have everlasting life, life here and now, and life eternal because of the resurrection. So Jesus, I trust you. I'm coming back home. 
pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can stand as we close with one more song here tonight.